good morning. How you doing? You guys are be to be commended. Less than one hour, you got a less sleep last night, short one hour. You're here, you're exuberant, you're ready to go, you're excited, you're awake, you're alive. You know, uh, next service will probably be pretty full. This is what happens. But turn to your neighbor and say, way to go. We're here. We're good. Yeah. No, really, it's good to be back with you this morning. And we're back into our series here, Money Matters. And um, today, I, I think it's an, it's an important uh, just teaching what's going to take place. And as we're talking about everything you saw the announcements, what we're doing, where we're going, five more weeks until the launch of our second campus. I want to say God's on the move, amen? I believe he's here right now this morning, amen? He's here in a real way, a strong way, and we believe we're meeting in his presence and he's here. That means uh, he's able to move in your life and my life if we'll allow him to do that, and he's just asking us. Do you want me to move? Do you want me to take you to the next level? Or, or, do you want to grow? Do you want that breakthrough? Do you want to be stretched a little bit? God can do that today. He's here. And we're going to talk about what does it take for that to happen and for God to be able to do that in our lives. And as we look this morning about our next installment of this teaching, we're really going to look at a portion of Scripture we looked at before, but now I want to break it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, they're teaching the Apostle Paul. And... Well, as we get started, I want to ask this. How many have, you know, ever purchased something that you really, really wanted and it was kind of costly and maybe your spouse wasn't quite on board with that? You know, it was kind of like this. Yes, honey, we really do need a bass boat. You know, this bass boat would be a great benefit to our family. Let me tell you the details, you know, and, 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 you know, and you get that, and then it's not quite all you thought it was going to be, and you have it for a little while, and there's that thing that we mentioned, you know, in one week of the series, this buyer's remorse, that you have it, and now you're not so thrilled with it, and, and that, you, you know, it's yours, yeah. So we're going to look at, as I said, Second Corinthians chapter 9, what I believe is a very powerful, powerful uh, uh, portion of Scripture, and there's blessings in this that shows us what can take place when we lead a lifestyle of Spirit-led giving. And so we're talking really about offerings today. Uh, the tithe can be mentioned in there, but we're talking about offerings today. That's what Paul is talking about today, the Apostle Paul. And as I looked at this, again, I said, man, this applies to the ministry here, to us as Morning Star Fellowship. It applies to your life personally. It applies to Teresa and our lives together. But the powerful truths in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that Paul is teaching us, the power and the blessing of a lifestyle of spirit-led giving. Say it with me, lifestyle. Yeah. And, and that's what... Our desire is, as I just lay this foundation, every week, week in and week out, the teaching on Sundays in the small groups, that we, by the help of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's Word, are 
teaching how do we live for Jesus Christ? How do we begin to put the principles and the truths of the Word of God into practice in our lives and becoming the people that God plans and destines us to be? That we begin to have a biblical worldview, that we live that worldview out on a daily basis, that God has some great truths for us, some great, great uh, blessings for us. And so the big idea today is, may we obey God out of a heart to please Him and to be used by Him. God, I, I, I want my life to honor you, represent you well, and I want you to use me each and every day. How many would say, man, that's, that's a good place to start right there. That's our prayer. So let's stand together this morning and go to God's Word and just believe that we're going to be open and receptive. That's how we we pray, open and receptive, as we pray for people to come into the kingdom every week, that the Spirit of God, because we can only do our part, the Spirit of God brings revelation to people's lives and hearts, but they'd be open and receptive to what God wants to do in their lives, that we'd be open and receptive to, to learn and to grow and to be taught by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So say it with me this morning, and we're going to go to another level. God's going to do some breakthroughs, and let's believe that in our lives today, and um, just believe, man, God's good, isn't he? Come on, he's good. He's good. Let's say it. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to listen to you. You're there. You're sounding good this morning. Take some notes. Follow along, if you would, please. So we're going to look at some giving truths. The first giving truth, I want to say it again, God is looking for cheerful givers. God is looking for cheerful givers. If we're not careful, it's easy to let our Christian life become routine. How many has been there before? Yeah. Our worship routine, our prayer life routine, reading the word routine, our giving routine. And, and when that happens, we miss out on the abundance that God has for us. And uh, there's nothing more than the enemy would love. He couldn't stop you from getting saved. Nothing he can do about that. You're saved. You're in the kingdom. But he would love for you now. Since you're saved, may you just have a routine, mundane Christian life. That's not from God. Amen? You're going to miss the abundance. I believe when Jesus said, I've come that you would have life, and you'd have it in abundance to the full. I want what God has for us. Amen? But at times, we fall into the routine, and God desires for us to serve him with this joy and knowing that what we do impacts people for eternity. So let's look at Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 6, 7, and 8. Now remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously, that blessings may come to others, will also generously and be blessed, let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. 
And God is able to make all grace, every favor, now this is God's word, an earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything and being completely self-sufficient in Him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. I like that. There's some alls in there. There's some everything in there. There's sufficiency in there. That's what we're going to look at today, this wonderful promise from God's Word. So the Apostle Paul, here's some background. He's writing to these Corinthians, these Christians in the city of Corinth in southern Greece. And this region is called like the Achaia region, about their commitment of giving to the poor, needy church, the Christians And where are these Christians, and where is their offering going? In Jerusalem. And I'm going to say more about that next week. And you say, what happened there? The church in Jerusalem was poor and in poverty and needy. And we're going to talk about this next week. And I say we because Dave Deal, who's on our leadership team, also teaches the financial freedom course. He's going to help me teach next week because he's going to teach about something that, that is so important about budgeting. Next week is Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Budget, because we're talking about tithing and we're talking about offerings. This isn't magic. How many heard that? It's a principle from God's Word, and it's powerful, but we have a responsibility to do and be this thing called managers and stewards of the resources God gives us. So the church in Jerusalem, if you remember Acts chapter 2, this is, I, I, I want to save it for next week, but think about this. It says, and we look at this and say, man, isn't that wonderful? They sold everything, gave it away, and now we see a few years later, they have nothing, and that's why they need an offering. So somehow, they all didn't hear clearly from the Lord, and now they need offerings because they're in poverty. They can't help themselves or anybody else. They missed it from the Lord. I sold my house. I don't have any place to live anymore. I sold everything, all my possessions, they're poor. Okay, I'm going to save the rest for next week. That's something for you to think about this week. So the Corinthians said a year earlier, we're going to take an offering, we're going to help the church in Jerusalem. That was a year earlier. And Paul now says, and he says, I'm going to remind you, don't embarrass yourselves, don't embarrass me. You made a commitment I, I know you love the Lord and you care about the church and you're givers and now it's time a year later to make good on your offering. And then Paul uses something in the natural. He says, now the church in Macedonia, way up north, and in the natural, they were rivals. He says, the Macedonians who since that they've stepped out of heathenism and paganism and become Christ followers, they've been under physical persecution. They've been in great financial need themselves, but they have already given a generous offering to the church in Jerusalem, and now he knows that they're natural rivals. It's like Quakertown and Penridge, the Panthers and the Rams. And he says, you know, you're, and he's kind of spurring them on. Hey, look what they did. It's kind of like the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. The evil Cowboys even did this. No, he didn't. <laughs> but, yeah. But he says, I want to encourage you, it's time to give your offering. He makes that profound statement about the Macedonians in their need themselves. 
and yet they have a joy and a freedom of giving in their physical persecution and in their financial need. And you keep in mind these words to the Corinthians are directed to a group of people who are about to make a sacrificial offering. They were givers. You know, it fits right in our core values. We're all about Jesus. We're here for others. We are sacrificially generous. We're here to serve, and we're united in purpose. Say that with me, sacrificial. Sacrificial. This is what Jesus, this truth, he communicated here in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with no space left for more will be put into your bosom or your lap for with the same measure that you use when you do good for others it will be measured back to you and you look at that and there's some powerful words and what we're bringing out in second corinthians 9 is what jesus was bringing out here in luke chapter 6 and really they understood what he was saying some of you have read the Bible enough. You go back to the Old Testament. You've heard of these people. How many's heard of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz before? Come on. Ruth and Naomi. Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Boaz is the wealthy man who owns the fields and the wheat fields. But the picture was that in the corners of the fields, after the workers would glean the wheat all day long, they would leave portions there in the corners of the field for those that have needs on purpose that they could come fill up their bags or the baskets that they would strap to their back and they would fill it up, press down, good measure, shaken together, running over. They would shake it, push it down, shake it, push it down. They would have it filled to the top in running over in abundance. And that's the picture that Jesus hears, God in their mind, in their spirit when he was saying this. And he's saying it will be measured back you. And so this promise is not to create our motivation for giving, but to free us from the fear of and show us the reward of giving. Amen? Amen. So you look at 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, each one give thoughtfully with purpose and cheerfully. So how do we give cheerfully? The Corinthians are looking at, I don't think we have enough. I'm not sure if we can afford to do this. How do we give cheerfully? Apostle Paul says we're to give cheerfully when we look at what's in our hand and we may think, I may not have enough. How many's ever been there before? Doesn't mean you're a bad person. That means you're a human being. I'm not sure I'm going to have enough. And so we don't want to give like, okay, I guess. We're going to give, it's to, and I know I should give, and I need to give, and it's the right thing. Okay, here you go, God. I, no, how do we give cheerfully? And here it is. We've talked about it. It comes back to the heart. It's a heart matter. And God has to do a work in our heart like anything else that he wants to do in our life with any other challenge, with any other promise, God has to move in our hearts. It comes down to the heart. So you look at 2 Corinthians again, and if we go back a chapter to chapter 8, Paul is talking about this. So write that down in your notes. You need to see this, because he starts talking about the Macedonians. 
The church in poverty, yet they gave a generous, sacrificial, cheerful offering. The church under physical persecution. I've had some tough days as a Christian. I've never had persecution physically. No one ever said, you know what? I'm going to throw you in jail and feed you to the lions. Anybody ever had that happen? Huh? No, I don't think so. People have thought, you know, they didn't like what I was talking about. They didn't want to hear me share Jesus Christ. They thought I was probably not so smart because I believed in Jesus, but I didn't have that. And so he says to this, so how do we give cheerfully? He's talking about a heart change. They, the Macedonians, gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. We can't give at this level, which is sacrificially, unless we know the Lord. And when we know the Lord, we will give sacrificially. When you experience and encounter Jesus Christ, like we're singing about today, you can't help begin to have the heart of Jesus Christ. He changes you. How many know you're being changed? Come on, amen? I know I'm being changed. The presence of God touched me this morning as we were lifting up his name and singing about what he's done for me and how he saved me. And when I was in darkness, he came to me. And when I wasn't seeking him, he was seeking me. That got a hold of my heart today. I've been saved for many, many years, but thank you, Jesus. You didn't have to, but you did. When we know him, and may we have this attitude, Lord, all that I am and all that I have and all that I hope to be belongs to you. May I love who you love. May I care about what you care about and who you care about. Lord, the things that, that, that you are into, Lord, may I be into. Lord, may it become our prayer. Change my heart. Give me your heart. May this is what happens to us, I think, on a daily level as we open the Word of God and pray. And on Sundays, Lord, make me more like you. As I said, I've been saved a long time, but the longer I'm saved, the longer and the more I realize, hmm, I need to be more like Jesus. How, how, how many recognize that? I've been saved a long time, and I'm experiencing his goodness and his love, but the longer I'm saved, the more I realize I need to be more like Jesus. May that be our prayer. Purposely, as he has decided in his heart. And this word suggests that, you know, uh, the, the thinking through the issues, praying and making a decision, a conscious decision about giving before we give. We give on purpose not on impulse. We sit down. We take inventory of the blessings of God in our life. We respond then to what God has said in his word and what God is speaking to our hearts. And it means I plan to be a giver. Maybe we have that, God give me your heart, change my heart, and our God is a giver, and he's sacrificially generous. And I don't think, you know, we all have, can any of us can doubt that. Man, our God's a giver, isn't he? And his grace abounds. He's sacrificially generous. He just doesn't stop giving. He didn't give Jesus, but, but just Jesus, but he gives and he gives and he gives. I plan to be a giver, and my giving is planned. And so no one can tell you the size of your offering or what it should be. It's between you and God. The thing is, you budget to give, and then when God speaks to your heart, you're able 
to give because I'm going to be a giver. I plan in my life to be a giver. I'm pl- hopefully you plan what you're going to do in life. That's why we're going to talk about the budget. I need to plan, hey, I'm going to have a mortgage due. It's a good idea if I have money for the mortgage. Utilities need to pay. Good idea if I have money for the utilities, you know, and on and on and on. You know, I think my kids are going to go to college someday. It's a good idea if I plan for them to go to college. You know, someday I may get older and I won't work anymore and I plan to still live and so I should have some money to live in retirement. How many of you all think those are good ideas? Yeah. Some of us closer to those really think they're good ideas. And you know what? God has saved me by His grace, and there's a great work to do, and I need to plan to be involved in the things of God. I'm going to plan to be a giver, so when the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart, and I hear about what God is doing, I can get in on that. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, God is not looking for our tithes or our offerings to be given reluctantly or under compulsion. The blessing or breakthrough is in the outgrowth of cheerful giving. Hallelujah. And then when God honors that, when we have a resolve, he's going to bring resources. And there's going to be times, and I want to tell you, you think you'll look at that, and I plan to be a giver, and God will speak to your heart, and he's going to challenge you to give in faith, and it's going to look like sacrificially, but God may want to do some unconventional things in your life to take you to that next level, to show you how big your God is. Our God's big, amen? He's big. And he's going to take you to another level sometime. It's unconventional. I don't understand this. But it's Hebrews chapter 11 because God says it's by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Say it with me, by faith. God responds to faith. God honors faith. And we say, Lord, I really believe I've heard from you. God, I've read your word and I see what you're doing and what you say. God has never, ever called us. Here's the thing. We can be planners and we can budget and we can think this out and do our part. But when you read the word of God, it's never, ever been been like this. Well, I've got all the resources I need, have all the finances I need, have all the people I need. Now we can do this. I've never seen that in God's word. God calls us to do our part. And then he says, you know what? I'm just going to have to tell you, you're going to trust me on this. You're going to have to step out in faith. Okay. Here we go. Say it with me, by faith. But God does that. God does that. And that's what he's done in Morningstar Fellowship over the years. And that's why he's brought us to the point that we're at right now. I really believe that. As years ago, the whole ministry, we're going to give away every week 10%. We're going to give offerings in between on top of that. We're going to give to, to, to missionaries, and we're going to give... We're going to give to emergencies with Convoy of Hope, and we're going to give to needs we hear about when they come our way. We're going to give, you know, one day to feed the world over and above times. We're going to give the whole Easter offering away. And you know what? We're launching a new campus on Easter Sunday, and we're still going to do it here and there. We're going to give it all away. Come on, say amen. Amen? Amen. I want you to get excited about that. We're going to share over the next few weeks our project because God's in this. When there's resolve, there's resources. And we made a resolve. We don't have all the people we think we need. We don't have all the money we need. We're going to step out in faith and we're going to reach our community right here in Pittsburgh. And we're doing this so far. 
We're doing it so far where we don't have to do it in debt. And so we've spent about $300,000, it looks like, to do everything we've done. All of our sacrificial volunteer work, plus there's things we had to pay for. Things cost. How many found that out? Yeah. And so that's where we're at. And so we, we're looking at what we think we need to wrap this up. And, it, you know, we're trying to narrow it down. And, and, and so $80,000, $85,000, and somebody's committed a chunk of money already to help that. But we're going to open that up, I believe, with the remodeling debt free. And God's going to speak to hearts, and we're going to do that. But God, you know, really spoke to us. And the enemy went on to challenge us. Well, you know you're doing this, you're doing that. Maybe you shouldn't give it all away this year. And I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't even entertain that thought because I am so convinced who our God is. And when we began to give it all away years ago, 10 years ago or more, God has always done more than enough. He has shown, hallelujah. He has shown what it's like to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We're going to do it again. And enemy, you just take that right now. Amen. So, cheerful. And here it is. This is where we get our English word. You know, this is where we get our word hilarious. I'm going to tell you, God has a sense of humor. He really does. He doesn't say give until it hurts. He says, give until you are laughing about it and you feel so good about it. Amen? He says, you give until there's such a joy, such an excitement. That's what that Greek word is, where you're so willing, ready, joyful, excited to give. It describes a spirit of enjoyment that you're swept away and there's no restraint And this is with no exaggeration. I believe when it's time that we're going to give in the services, it should be like, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We get to partner with you. We get to be a part about changing lives for all of eternity. Hallelujah. It's time to give. I'm excited. I'm believing that God is going to do more than I could expect, more than I can imagine, more than I can believe, more than I could ever dream. Thank you, Lord. I get to be a part of your work. And so all this begins, as I said, by faith. And our God, when we look at and say, I'm not sure if I can, I'm not sure if we should this time, I want you to remember that our God is who he says he is, that we talked about all of last year in Ephesians 3.20. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We like to say that verse. Then we had a little trouble doing that verse. Our God is still limitless, amen? Come on, do you believe our God is limitless? Does he have any limitations? No, he's limitless. And he wants to show himself limitless through you and me. And when we come up to these, say, I'm not sure if we can. He says, you know what? You can't, but you're not in this by yourself. I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask, think, dream, or imagine. If you'll just surrender your heart, you'll let me do something in your spirit. I'm going to show you who I am and what I can do. I'm going to do more than you could ever think that I could ever do in your life. He's still limitless, amen? You know, the other day, I uh, went to Lowe's. I went to the I went to Lowe's, and I went to the lawn and garden department, and I talked to the man there, and and I said, you know what? I need to plant a couple trees. I'm looking for the money trees. 
and I want to plant a money tree at my church and a money tree in my yard. And, And you know what he told me? There are no money trees. Money doesn't grow on trees. Can you imagine that? How many's heard that before? No, it's not on a tree. And God's limitless and it's not fallen from heaven. But he's a miracle working God because he works miracles through people like you and me. Amen? God is proving himself, I believe, to be limitless. We're blessed to be a blessing. So I want to move real quick into these areas. Three areas of testing. Need or wants. Verse 8, 2 Corinthians 9, needs or wants. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Oh, that's good right there. This is, this is a good scripture. We must start by believing that God is able to do what? Make all grace abound toward you. And this Greek word, all, translated means all. That's deep, isn't it? When he says all, he means all. Say it with me, all. Everything I need in every circumstance, in every situation, at all times, God's got it. He's got all. Everything in all circumstances at all times. Even when the stock market doesn't close high, it closes low, God's got all. Amen? God is all. God is all my sufficiency at all times in every situation. In the days that I'm up and the days that I'm down. In the days that I'm hopeful and the days that I'm discouraged. In the days I'm a mighty man of God in faith. In the day I'm wondering what in the world is God doing in me and in my life. How many know what I'm talking about? God's all. Tell your neighbor all. 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 How often? Always. Not sometimes. Always. Paul is saying, once you give cheerfully, see, here it is. Here's a principle. As I'm giving cheerfully, as I'm allowing God to change my heart, as I am a giver, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. As I've trusted him in faith, and as I've stepped out in faith, and as now I put into practice this lifestyle, and I begin to realize, man, my God is good, my God is faithful, my God supplies every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Man, I just can't outgive God. When I think I can't do something, God shows up and he gives me the strength and he gives me the ability. And when I think I'm weary and tired and can't go on, God shows up and gives me physical strength. And when I am a little discouraged, spiritually, God shows up and he encourages. Man, my God's amazing, isn't he? To make all grace abound toward you so that you'll always, always have all sufficiency in all things. This is what God does. He meets our needs and increases our resources so we can meet the needs of others. And God means all. I want you to realize that because I honestly believe Some of you, today, March 8th, 2020, can be your day of breakthrough. This Sunday is your day of breakthrough that you're going to see that God is all in all. And you're going to trust this God. He is who he says he is. I'm talking to believers here right now. 
There's a lot of believers that just live routine. A lot of believers that, that, oh, Jesus Christ saved me, but you're not living life to the full. God's talking to you right now. First, remember, God is our sufficiency, and there's a big difference between a need and a want. How many's found that out today? Contrary to some popular teaching that some teach, God doesn't promise to satisfy every whim or passing fancy. Okay, now I use the bass boat thing. That, that's not my thing. You know, some of you want a bass boat, and some of you have no problem going to buy the bass boat right now. Some of you may not be the time to buy the bass boat. For the good of your marriage, don't buy the bass boat right now. You know, but that's not my thing. I can see some other things being my thing. Yes, I have a 2012 Mustang. I've had it since 2012. There's other Mustangs out there. Yeah, they catch my eye. It's like my dog, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. And it's like, Mustang, Mustang. It's a thing. I'm going to CR. I'm working on it, okay? No, but we're not going there. It's not time to get another Mustang. There's always faster and bigger and better. And yeah, that's, that's, that's not it. Anyway. You know, God doesn't promise to satisfy every whim, passing fancy. Beyond this level called sufficiency is called this level of abundance. And it's at this level that we are tested. I want you to hear that. It's one thing to have enough to meet all your needs, but the real hard test comes when we get a little extra abundance. Say that with me, abundance. And this is where it's possible to ha- pass from need over to greed. We see it's whenever a person who's been praying to get out of debt, and really the Lord wants you to, to get out of debt because uh, it's a, we're going to talk about it next week, but how many people are in credit card debt and in great bondage to, to the lender? And when God's calling you to get out of debt, and that person gets an unexpected large bonus, and Often it never occurs to that person with that extra money to pay down the debt. I've talked to many people, counsel many people. They think, now I can go get that bass boat. Yeah. Maybe you should pay down the debt. Amen? I'm looking to my buddy up there. Amen? Amen. It's not time to do that yet. We are tested in our need. And we are tested in our greed, and the need test comes as we trust God to become our sufficiency, and our God is our sufficiency. Amen? And then the greed test comes when we move beyond sufficiency into abundance. And here's the thing. The thing is, when you practice a lifestyle of cheerful giving, I want you to hear this. A lifestyle. doesn't mean I gave last week, and now I'm moving into this position. Okay? This isn't magic, but when we begin to practice a lifestyle of giving, God will move you into abundance. How many heard that right now? God will move you into abundance, and there's another test to come right now. Some of you are at that place, can God meet my needs? Am I able to pay the rent, pay the mortgage, pay my utilities? You're beyond that, and God's moved you into the area of abundance, and there's another test there. What am I going to do with these extra resources God has brought into my 
life. And the highest use of our money is this, is seed. And this is where I'm wrapping up. And the language Paul used here in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And this is the language of seed. So here's a question. How do you view the money that God has given you to control? Do you see it as being there to meet your need? Is it there to satisfy your greed? Or do you see it as seed? Write this down, the scripture. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. And the writer says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? At least or lest... I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. So he's saying, neither give me poverty nor riches. This is basically need, poverty, or greed, riches. He's saying, I want to be right in the middle of your provision. I want to be in that sweet spot. That sweet spot. Some of you golfers know what I'm talking about, right? That's, I don't know. I've never developed that as a golfer, but I, I've heard about that, you know, and, and just hitting that ball in the sweet spot. That'd be nice to do sometime, but that's what he's saying here. I want to be right in the middle of your provision. Now, here's the thing. Is it possible for God to provide for your need without money? Well, he showed that to the prophet Elijah. We go to 1 Kings chapter 17. God didn't need money to provide for Elijah. He only needed some birds, and those birds brought to Elijah steak. They fed him meat. You think about that. They fed him steak. They fed him meat. God didn't need money. God wanted to show Elijah, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. I'm out here, Lord. I've got nothing. I'm nowhere. God, I'm hungry. And God sends birds with meat in their mouths for Elijah. How many would say that's unconventional? How many would say that could be miraculous? No, come on, raise your hands. Work with me, people. How many could say that's supernatural? And God wants to bring his supernatural to your natural. And you're saying, I can't see it. God, man, I tell you, last night, you talk about meat and steak. How many's ever been to a Brazilian Steakhouse. I have before. I went to one of the best ones I've been to last night in Horsham. I was in meat heaven. I was overdosing on meat last night. It's, it's amazing. They kept bringing it out. How would you, they're slicing it off. Woo, baby. Elijah's there and the birds keep bringing meat. Didn't need money. And then we see in 1 Kings 19, we see what are they bringing him now? The angels are bringing him cake. They're baking cakes for Elijah the prophet, the first recorded record of angel food cake on the face of the earth right here. God's able to supply our needs in ways we think not possible. That's the lesson right here today. Our God is committed to meeting our needs, but are we committed to using our money as seed? The farmer who has one sack of seed, he has several options. He could grind the whole sack of seed into flour for bread, and that he could hope for someone 
to give him some more seeds for planting. Or he could use some of it for bread and the rest for seed. And then if he sows that seed, he's going to get a harvest much greater than what he originally has sown. And this is what we're doing right now. And I honestly believe it, man. We're, we're, we're going to sow. Some of you, uh, you know, you're, you're going to make that campus your home. We're going to be one church, one family, two locations. We're going to do lots of things so we stay united and together. But, you know, we're going to do that right now. And we're going to sow that right now because I believe in the law and the principle of seed time and harvest that as we sow, we're going to multiply and we're going to reach more people than we thought not possible. Amen? That's what we're going to do. Still going to do. So we look at verse 10 and 11. Now, 2 Corinthians 9, may he supply seed to the sower, bread for food, supply, multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness. What does that mean? As we do this, God even does a spiritual work. The fruit of the Spirit's being developed in our life of, of peace and joy and love and goodness and patience. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Notice Paul doesn't say God supplies seed to the keeper. It's he supplies seed to the sower. Those who sow seed, those who scatter. Sometimes we think and say, sure, that guy's a giver because he has money. That's backwards. I believe he has money because he's a giver. You know, there's all different sized churches. Some people look at this church and say, oh, this church is a big church and, you know, it's full of wealthy people. No. We're, we're, we're mixed. There's some wealthy people, a lot of average people, some people that don't have much at all, material goods of this world. But what we are, we're God's people, we're givers. Amen? I really believe this is true. I want you to hear this. We've been an obedient church. We've been a God-honoring church. We've been a church first in giving tithes and offerings, and God honors that. We're a church of givers, and God is multiplying the seed because it is an absolute principle in His Word. And God is looking for people today where He's and say, I'm looking for a man and a woman today that can be used in my kingdom that will be faithful with the resources I've placed in them their lives. I'm looking for people I can trust today. Will that be need? Will it be greed? Or are they going to use what I've placed in their life as seed? And if they will use it as seed in my kingdom, I will multiply their lives. I will multiply their resources. I will multiply their giving. I will multiply the effects of their giving, and I will be honored. I will show up and be their limitless God. Are you somebody I can trust today? That's who God's looking for. Amen? And I want to ask you this. How many would say, Lord, here I am. You can trust me today. Let's stand together this morning. Here I am, Lord. You could trust me today. I want to say this. This is hard. It may be hard to hear, but it, it, it's the truth and love. What does the word say? You shall know the truth and the truth will. Yeah. There's some of God's people that he wants to bless. And some of God's people will never, ever have money because they won't get their hearts right with God. God doesn't supply seed to the keeper. It's seed to the sower. Here I am, Lord. You can trust me. Trust me. You see, we talk about breakthrough. 
Are we going to trust God? I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm saying this because I love you. Some of us in the body of Christ, we want to debate and we want to argue what we've been talking about for these weeks about the finances. And it breaks my heart because I see people that haven't had a heart change when they want to debate and argue this point of honoring God with our tithes and offerings. There's a stronghold there. You're experiencing the true heart of God and the breakthrough that He has for you and the liberty and the freedom He wants to bring into your life. How many hear what I'm saying from my heart today? I want you to be set free. Man, if you're hooked on porn, I want you set free. You're hooked on anger, I want you to be set free. If you have a spirit of offense, I want you to be set free. If you're hooked on drugs and alcohol, you want to be set free. If you're bound in this area of giving, I want you to be set free. The enemy doesn't, but God wants us to be free. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come as we sing this song, then we're going to pray. about and singing about the 
wonderful Savior, who He is, how He chose us 2,000 years ago. He's waiting for us to make a choice for Him. How He wants to take away our sin, give us a brand new life, a brand new way of living life, of meaning and purpose and significance on planet Earth, and then all of eternity with Him. Maybe you're looking at your life today and saying, I'm not there. I don't know this Jesus like I need to know Him. I want to know Him. I want to accept Him right now as my Lord and Savior. If that's where you're at, just raise your hand for me. Say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus as my Lord, my Savior. I haven't been living for Him. I, I, I haven't asked Him into my life. And I need to do that right now. I thank you, gentlemen. I thank you. Anybody else? Let's pray together. I see one hand. There may have been another one. But let's pray together. Isn't this wonderful? Somebody's saying, I want Jesus today. I'm accepting Jesus today. So let's pray, if you would. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sacrificially giving us, giving me, your only Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me and taking my sin and dying in my place and rising again so I could be forgiven and I could have everlasting life. And so, Jesus, I ask you to take my sin, take my life, I want the life that you have for me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, it's my desire, with your help, to follow you. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Okay, this is for the rest of us. How many would say, Lord, Here's a man, a woman that you can trust. You can trust. Yeah, I'm going to keep some for bread, but I'm going to sow seeds. I'm going to plan. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to be part of changing lives for all of eternity. Lord Jesus, here's a life that you can trust for the good of your kingdom for all of eternity. Here we are, Lord Jesus. Here we are, Lord. We come together. We lift up hands that you've made holy, and we say, Lord, do a work in our hearts. Do a work that we trust you. We step out in faith. We recognize everything you've placed into our lives. We will honor you with everything, all that we are, who we are. You'll be honored, Lord Jesus, and you can trust us with resources. Lord, you can trust us with abundance. We're not going to be selfish with it all. We're, you, you, you bless, you do good things, but Lord, we're going to make sure in the abundance we are faithful to you. We're giving to the kingdom. We are seeing lives changed. I thank you, Lord, for the freedom that comes with that, that we have all that we need in all circumstances, in every situation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, let's share the love of Christ this week. Amen. God bless you.